This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, March 9th, 2023 edition. And in many parts of the country, we are still in winter mode, but on the calendar, we are moving through week 10 of 2023, winding down the winter season, but still there's a, a bit of frigidness uh, across the land is, and in markets right now. And markets are shifting, they're changing, and today was one of those kind of surprise days, one of the first big surprise days of the year. And that's what we're going to help you do, unpack what really was the catalyst here. And we're going to look at that today. I'm Justin Klein. I'm here on today's radio show and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio strategies and make good, consistent decisions. So I look forward to this hour hosting the Invest Talk podcast, hearing your finance and investment questions that I'm sure you have many of in today's market, whether that's about bonds, interest rates, real estate, stocks, different sectors of the market, segments of the market, maybe private equity private REITs that you might be pitched or own, commodities, currencies, all of these things are on the table and more. So I encourage you to reach out with those questions at our anytime listener line number. It's 888-99-CHART. Once again, 888-992-4278. And you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. And you know, one thing's for certain, that situation in today's stock market is different. And so you are here to learn, and I am here to teach as much as I possibly can with my 20-plus years of investment experience and my day-to-day doing this, right? Doing this for hundreds and hundreds of clients each and every day. So my main focus point today is going to look into the story behind this headline, tips on how to make your investing goals realistic. And I really like this one because it's a mindset one. And I like how it's not just kind of a pie in the sky, oh, think positively. There are kind of steps to this. And we're going to dig into how to really set your mind towards a particular goal. And this can be applied to many things in life. Obviously, we're talking about the the finance realm right now. Uh, But that's why I really like it. So we're going to dig into that. Also, I want to touch on foreign stocks. Foreign stocks are outperforming so far this year. Is there more room for that to run? Or is it nearly over? We're going to look at that. And then food delivery. This has been... A big trend over the past, I'll call it eight to 10 years with companies like HelloFresh, but even more so when the pandemic hit, where everyone's buying on Grubhub and, and things like that, Uber Eats, et cetera. And we're going to look at the, the business of that. Is it a good 
business to beat it. And then lastly, if we have time, the oil sector and the shale sector and more and more particularly, how are they doing? Are they able to pull as much oil out of the ground as they had before? The quality of the assets that they have, etc. So that's what's on my mind. We're also going to get to some voice bank questions. One is on the VIX Contango and MPW. I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk, and we're going to ch- we're going to go to our first listener question now uh, from North Carolina. We're going to talk to Sid. He's looking at EQNR. Hi, Justin. Good evening. Thank you for taking my call, and I always enjoy listening to your show and the podcast. Uh, EQNR is in my uh, radar for some time, but the other numbers look quite attractive, except there are no institutions count or insider holders. I mean, they're all in single digits or less than that. Do you think that's something we should be worried about? And if not, then do you think it's a good stock for the long term? And what's that good entry point? Thank you for your time. All right, this is Ecuador. This is one of the largest European oil and gas companies in the world. They're out of Norway. It's a Norwegian company, and most of their assets are in Norway. And if you're looking based on previous earnings, it is trading at a pretty low PE. But if you're looking going forward, uh, that's a bit higher. Earnings for next year expect to be $4.64. That's down from $7.13 that it earned last year. That's because oil prices are down. But overall, I like this name. I like it better. Uh, than, than many of the, the larger integrated domestic names, mainly because of its proximity to Europe and the fact that there aren't a lot of safe sources of, of good energy, right, uh, or of energy in the European space. They're importing so much natural gas from uh, places like uh, like here in the United States, and Econor has, has earned a lot of money for that, and I think that they're going to continue to, maybe not quite as much as last year, but they're still going to be fairly profitable. So... Um, the technicals are, are so-so, uh, so I, I want a little bit of strength there, uh, but overall, uh, I think this is a, a good company to own within the oil patch overall. That was EQNR Equinor. Now we're moving into a break, but it won't last long. On the other side, I will take your questions live on our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Get ready for a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar, Value Investing, Positioning Your Portfolio for Profitability, Relative Price, and Dividend Payments. The Wealth Webinar will be a crash course on how to structure your value portfolios, providing real examples with assessment tools that KPP Financial uses every day to grow clients' wealth. The webinar will be anchored by KPP Financial CEO and InvestTalk host, Justin Klein, and by KPP Financial Portfolio Manager, Luke Guerrero. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March 22nd from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific Time. You are invited to a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Be sure to tell your friends and family members it's free and you can register now at investtalk.com. 
The stock market is constantly changing, and serious investors know that they need to modify their portfolio assets to fit the times. And now, with more than 50 million downloads, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on Invest Talk. 888 99Chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. Thanks very much for your show. I've learned a lot. I was hoping to ask you about a company called Carlisle Group Business Development, CGBD. This is what I bought back in October. And my thesis was um, in a, with rising interest rates and declining liquidity, lenders like this would have more demand and more opportunities. And their earnings have been going up every quarter. They've already raised their dividend by 10%. So I'm feeling pretty good about this. But I was wondering if you could take a look at it and check on it and let me know if I should revise my thesis here. All right. Thanks very much. I'll listen on the show. All right. This is Carlisle Secured Lending, and they provide financial solutions to middle market companies located in the United States. And here's the issue. This is one of those uh, middle market lending companies. They're kind of like a concentrated investment bank, small investment bank, not lending to large corporations, but those that aren't your small business, right? The middle market. They're not quite big enough to be public, but they're not your mom and pop shop down the street. And that's who they're lending to. And those are typically higher rates that they're getting, but they're also taking above average risk. So they tend to be pretty cyclical. And if you look at the history of that dividend, let's see, they did recently raise it, but it's all over the place, right? It dipped back in 2022 from 40 cents down to 32 cents. And this in this part of the cycle, this is not something that, that I would own. Okay, you're looking at, uh, the it, it had a rough day today. Uh, it's rolling over. Uh, I'm gonna pass. Uh, I definitely would pass on CGBD Carlisle Group. Let's go to Alberto in San Jose. S A C H is a symbol. Hello, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, I was looking to get your opinion on this S A C H. I've held it for a while, but it hasn't really gone anywhere. Let's just get out of it. Yeah, this is another one. I talk about this all the time. This is a mortgage REIT. Mortgage REITs do not have good long-term results. Everyone gets excited about the yield, 14% yield. They're paying you back your money. You're paying tax on your own money. Because what they're doing is they're just issuing shares in order to pay you this dividend. This is These are kind of Ponzi-like. I don't want to call them Ponzi schemes because they have... They're doing things, but are they really earning good return on capital? Not really. Okay, return of the capital long-term is averaging about 5 6%, and it's in decline. Number of shares outstanding continues just power to the upside. Back in the end of 2020, they had 22 million shares outstanding. Now they have 41 million shares outstanding. They nearly double the number of shares outstanding in a little over two years. Why? Because their payout ratio is too high. They're paying too much out to shareholders. And their business is not doing very, very well. 
Cash flow from operations peaked at $32 million in March of last year, trailing 12 months. Now it's at $23 million and declining. A ton of debt in its balance sheet. Right? So not only are they, are they issuing more debt, they're also borrowing more money. In the time that they were borrowing or issuing more shares in order to pay you your nice 14% dividend yield, debt has gone from $140 million to $280 million. So they've doubled the debt on their balance sheet. Now, what you could say is, oh, well, they're kind of like a bank and they're borrowing money. To, they're investing in longer-term securities that have duration risk and, and problems. This is the antithesis. This is the perfect example of how you don't chase yield. Go look at, everyone needs to go over to, we posted uh, on, our, on our Instagram, our top, the top five quality dividend stocks in the tech space today. And in there, I have four lessons that I, that, I, uh, that I wrote on how to think about dividends. How to think about quality dividends. And I'll give you the first one. It says, well, dividends are often, uh, dividends often attract investors. It's important to focus on the quality of the business for optimal total returns over time. That's what you need to focus on more than the dividend, what's your total return? Let's just go back a year on this name. It was trading at $5.50. Now it's at $3.70. What's that, a 25% decline in the stock? Oh, you got a 14% yield. You're down 10%. More, I'd have to do the exact... Uh, exact numbers, but that's conservatively 10%, even with the dividend. So you need to focus on total return. And total return is about return to you as the shareholder. There's Dividends are only one way that businesses return money to you, the shareholder. They can do it by buying back stock. They can do it by redeploying that capital, that cash flow into growing the business in an effective way, in an efficient way. They can go buy other companies that create synergy or are at good values. Those are ways that the companies can deploy the cash flow of the business, the earnings of the business to Add value to you as the shareholder. What isn't adding value to the shareholder is paying way too much out as a dividend. And in order to finance it, they're just borrowing more money, paying more interest, uh, selling more shares, diluting you as the shareholder. That's the antithesis of good capital allocation. But too many people get roped into, oh, it pays a shiny 10, 12, 14% dividend. That's not dividend investing. That's dividend chasing. Chase good businesses, not dividends. The stock market is constantly shifting, and I'm guessing that you have at least one or two finance and investment questions, investment questions that you'd like answered. So that's why I'm here. Give Invest Talk a call. You set the agenda. Phone lines are ready for you right now on Invest Talk at 99 chart.
One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Now, my focus point looks into the story behind this headline tips on how to make your investing goals realistic. And I love this one because mindset is often just as important as data. And it really feeds into discipline. And this can apply to many parts of your life. But our goals are representation of our dreams, right? And no matter how passionate we are about those dreams, we often don't reach them because we don't really put the steps needed in place or in motion in order to to get there. And research has actually pointed this out. And there's two main ways that you can increase goal commitment and performance. Now, the first is mental contrasting. And this is really about imagining your desired future and then thinking of the obstacles that are in place to make that a realization. And this can often activate your really your desire to attain that goal, right? By breaking down kind of piece by piece what you need to do to get there. Now, use a simple example. This isn't finance related, but let's say you're single. You want to have a family. Well, the first step in that is getting a mate, right? Getting in a relationship, having somebody that also wants to have a family, building a home, becoming financially secure, having a plan for that child, etc. before you actually get there. And all of those are little steps on the path to having a family. And then you also need to do what's called implement, implementation intentions. And this is kind of an if then, right? So that example before, if I actually get into a relationship, I have a mate, how long do I wait? What if that person wants to have a, ch- a child or doesn't? What do I do then? What if they only have one, they only want one and I want two, what do I do then? Right? So it's just a small microcosm. But r- this is a process that can help you really visualize that path. So the first step is to wish it. The second is to ideally actually write down the goals and the steps that are needed for you to get to that goal. It's an underappreciated, very simple tool, just writing these things down and going back to them, not putting them in a drawer, but reminding yourself of them consistently. Then identifying those few obstacles that are blocking you from fulfilling that ultimate wish. That ultimately will create that that broader plan. 
Now, in the, inve- uh, in the investment side or the personal finance side, it's things like, hey, if I overspend for one month, the next month I'm going to save a little extra. If an emergency situation pops up, right? I got to fix my car. I had to spend $500 for X, Y, and Z. I'm going to increase my savings the next month. Because over a longer term period, my goal is to get get here. So this is this shows a lot about individual stocks and individual assets. And sometimes that gets you get lost in the weeds. Because it's one small decision amongst a lot of more important decisions. Talked a lot about how savings goals, savings habits are probably the most important aspect of building a solid financial future. That's why 401ks are the best mechanism for anybody to really grow their, their, their wealth. It's because the money never hits. It's a constant, consistent savings mechanism. And maybe one example of this is, hey, if I get a 3% raise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to increase my savings to my 401k by 1%. Those are kind of those if then. If I get a 5% raise, I'm going to raise it 2%. If the market does really well and I, I get to a certain place, maybe before I ultimately plan to get there, maybe you retire a little bit early. That's another if-then as well. If-then can be both positively and negatively inflecting. So I hope that helped kind of back up and give you a broad perspective of how to think about your financial life and just life in general. Now, in the next Invest Talk, we look into this story. Interpreting the jobless claims number, data shows that there were 1.9 million jobs openings for every, sorry, 1.9 job openings for every unemployed person in January. So with a tight labor market and strong inflation readings, the Fed is preparing to increase interest rates again. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and 
IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Now, you probably noticed that Steve and I are happy about having reached 50 million podcast downloads and to celebrate KPP Financials, giving away 50 free subscriptions to our KPP Premium Newsletter. This is our 50 for 50 million thank you to you for helping us exceed 50 million downloads. You can win. You can earn your chance to win by... Following us on our Invest Talk social platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn, and then liking and tagging three friends on our 50 for 50 million posts. It's that easy. We picked another 10 winners today, so we sent those out to those winners, but we still have three more weeks left. We're doing 10 each week, so this is just the second week, so you still have time to potentially win your one-year free subscription to the Cape Premium Newsletter which typically costs $199 per year, but you might get it for free. Just follow our Invest Talk on social platforms like Invest, like Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. And once again, tag three friends on our 50 for 50 post. Now let's look at the market today. It was a pretty bloody day, and it was on the back of what I think is the first sign that the Fed is breaking something. Uh, what's that? Sorry, the second sign the Fed is, has, has broken something. And this time it's more drastic. Back in October, it was the Bank of Japan and the Bank of England. And that was a problem. You saw a very strong dollar. And behind the scenes, the Fed did pivot. They did things to improve liquidity overall in the system. And that's why you saw the dollar weaken. And remember, I always say that a weak dollar is actually positive for risk assets because more money's out there. It's cheaper to service debts, et cetera. Um, so... What you see, saw today, though, was Silicon Valley Bank Corp, as well as uh, what's SI, Silvergate, SI. And Silvergate is winding up. They made a lot of bad bets within the crypto space. They, were, they, they had a lot of problems uh, within uh, the crypto space. And money was flowing out. Deposits were flowing out. Uh, and that was the catalyst and with Silicon Valley Bank Corp, a lot of their clients are private equity firms, uh, venture capital firms. A lot of the tech space, which is, which is continues to, to burn cash, uh, especially a lot of the private companies. And their deposits were just kind of flowing out because the businesses that were depositing with them and they were lending to are just not very financially sound. And so that was the catalyst there. But what's underneath the surface of all this is something every bank is probably is dealing with. 
Now, the vast majority of, of banks have a pretty steady deposit base, A, and they're not, they don't have the potential catalyst. Their, their deposit base is typically very diverse, especially your large banks, and they have a ton of excess reserves. So even if some money flows out, some deposits flow out, it's not a big deal because they don't need to raise capital, sell assets in order to get their balance sheet back in line. For the vast majority of banks, it's not a big deal. But what you're seeing underneath the surface is that with rates going up, there's a lot of unrealized losses on these banks' balance sheets. Not really credit losses. It's more just duration losses, right? Owning longer-term bonds that were yielding 2 or 3%, and then suddenly you have a couple hundred basis point increase in the Fed funds rate, right? Now 500 basis point uh, increase. And suddenly those bonds especially those treasuries, which have low coupons, they have high sensitivity to a rise in interest rates or say mortgage-backed securities. Same thing, low yield. Now they, they're at a loss, right? They're trading at a discount. And you don't recognize, it, you don't see it in the profits, but on the bank balance sheet, if they actually were going to not no longer hold them till maturity, they were going to have them available for sale, they would have to mark them down, losses. And so what happens is, what's happening right now are banks that have deposit, a deposit base that might be thin or might be fickle, might be volatile, like the crypto space, like Silicon Valley, their excess reserves are drying up and they don't, they have too many losses on their balance sheet to sell assets. So instead, they're just raising capital. They rather raise capital than sell assets at a at a low price. And so that's what I'm seeing here, and that's why, you know, I still haven't been the biggest fan of the banking industry. But it's a good example of how you really have to understand the banking industry because it can be a bit complex, and you have to understand the deposit base that these banks are dealing with. Is it diversified? Is it too concentrated? Is are the loans they have outstanding? Are they concentrated in one particular sector or another? These are important factors you have to consider. And so I was actually I was actually kind of looking for something like this, like what would break next? Because that's the history of the Fed, right? They tried to tighten policy, they raised rates, they break something, they reverse course, and they lower rates. And I think they'll do it again. Now they might not do it as quickly, but I, I think they'd much rather have inflation, which is, if you look under the surface, the data outside of, of shelter, which is lagging in a huge way, inflation's gone. Inflation is, you know, pretty muted, less than 2% for sure, year over year. So I think the Fed should be done. The 50 basis point hike this month, I think is going to be off the table rather quickly. The last couple of days, it's been pricing in, right? Since the, the Fed testimony, they were, priced, they were priced almost an 80% chance of a 50 basis point hike this month. Today's market, though, I think that's off the table. I, I don't see any reason why you know, you're having this problem in small parts of the banking industry. They don't want a, a, a redux of 20 or 2008, right? They... They're not going to raise 50 basis points. It's going to go back to 25. It's going to help the market a little bit. And I'm, I was looking for this as an inflection point 
of when's the next, what are the next thing? They've done a lot of kind of minor things behind the scenes since October to kind of help liquidity. They don't really have that anymore. So their next step in order to stem the tide, which you know they're going to do, they're not going to allow the economy and the financial system to, to fly off a cliff. That's too much PTSD from 08. And so I think actually they're going to start to pause rather quickly. Now let's pivot to the Vestock Voice Bank from 888-99 chart. Hi, calling in for Steve or Justin. I had a question about MPW, Medical Properties Trust. It's a uh, hospital REIT. Looks to be near decade lows. Very consistent payments of the dividends. And currently, it looks like the yield at this price is north of 11%, about 11.5%. Given that their payment history is very strong, consistent, seems like it's safe. Also, considering the cash flows and the uh, income of the business, it looks like that dividend will continue to be paid. Share price has been very weak, but given that it's at decade lows, I think this might be a good time to come in at the bottom. Let me know what you guys think. I'll be listening on the podcast. Thanks. How many times, how many times, how many times do I need to tell my audience, the Talk audience, to stop chasing yield? When the market is pricing a vehicle like this at such a high yield, it's telling you something. 12.1% on a REIT? Uh-uh. If you look under the surface, you do some research, you'll see that 40% of their revenue comes from two, two companies that both are having major problems. The biggest one, 26% of their overall rent is coming from a company called Stewart Healthcare Systems. And it's in such bad shape that... MPW themselves had to extend a $150 million loan to them. They couldn't go out and get outside lending. They had to go to their landlord. Think about that. You're a renter. You're, you're, your financial situation is so dire, you have to go to your landlord to borrow money so that you can continue to pay your rent. Does that sound like a good situation? Then you have Prospect Medical, which is over 11% of their rent, that's another one that has weak coverage ratios, also having a tough time. So roughly 40%, close to 40% of its revenue are from two companies that are in a bad situation. And this is the market telling you that. This is the perfect deal. I've been t- people have been calling about MPW for over a year now. It's been in a decline. I've been telling, no, you don't want to deal with this company that has high concentration in poor credits. When the market signals something to you, you must listen. Stop chasing yield. Look at balance sheets. Look at the business. Investing is not a one-factor game. And too many people treat it like that. 
You have to look at the holistic picture. So it absolutely not by MPW. Now, Steve, I've been telling you for a while now that we are in a new market environment. Cycles are a natural part of the evolution of economies, of countries, of markets. And that means if you're a serious investor, you have to adjust your thinking, your strategies to fit these very unique times we haven't seen in a while. So that you can ultimately achieve what you want, which is financial freedom in, in some way, shape, or form. And that means something different for everybody. So if you need help understanding whether you are set up to succeed during this market shift, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our company, KPP Financial, located in Irvine, California. It's in Orange County, Southern California. And this is where we operate the same philosophy which is independent thinking and shared success. We're going to bring you along with our success navigating these challenging times. So we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. And we provide unbiased guidance, both on and off air. So you can take advantage of our free portfolio view assessment via telephone or go-to meeting. Just send us a message to investtalk.com. The sooner you reach out, the sooner we can help you. And we want to help you, help get your portfolio optimized. Now, next up, another listener question here on Invest Talk. So hang on. Thank you, and I hope to be the 50 millionth download of your incredible show. It is official. As of February 21st, an exciting new Invest Talk milestone was achieved. The Invest Talk podcast exceeded 50 million downloads. How do you guys determine a value stock? 50 million. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. Hey guys, this is Josh from South Carolina. I'm a long-time listener. 24-7, rain or shine, on tough market days or during brighter moments. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to answer your questions. Our now preferred share is kind of a hybrid asset. It's part of the capital structure. You want to buy this what's on sale, and when it gets on sale, it's about $16 a share. $50 million. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin and Steve. Nick from New York. Uh, love your show. Just a... Uh... I guess kind of a financial question for you. I recently purchased a car. Uh, love the car. Unfortunately, very high interest rate, 8.4%. Probably owe about $36,000 on the car. Sitting on about maybe $75,000. I uh, kind of wanted to use that money on the next year and a half to buy a piece of property with my father. Well, I'm not sure if it's going to be a vacation home or an investment property, but you know, it's kind of our dream to do it together. My question to you is, is uh, would it better serve me to... Uh, pay off my car loan first at 8% interest, I'm kind of thinking that it probably would be, or do you think that I kind of keep my cash freed up uh, so that I would be able to uh, make that purchase? Thanks for your help, and uh, looking forward to your answer on the show. Thanks. I would easily pay off the car. 8, 8%, you're basically guaranteeing yourself that yield on that money over that time period, and you can free up whatever that car payment would be and, and try, to, try to save uh, and continue to save to buy a property with, with, with your father. And, you know, we're in probably year two of three, four, five year correction in property prices more generally. And so you can be patient. You're not, it's not like you're missing out on the market, uh, really running away from you to the upside. 
uh, it's, it's, it's a market that will kind of have its fits and starts. You saw that last year where uh, really activity declined dramatically throughout the summer, uh, perked up a little bit late last year and into the beginning of this year. And now it's kind of rolling over uh, again because uh, interest rates are, are back up. So I don't think you need to be in a quick hurry to buy a property and I wouldn't sit there and wait and pay 8% while you're, or while you're waiting. Uh, I wouldn't pay 8% on that car loan. So yeah, I would make a, it would make sense for you to uh, really pay that off. Right? Now let's quickly touch on foreign stocks and U.S. stocks right now are roughly one and a half times as expensive as 22 other developed markets in total. And that's just one comparing prices with corporate earnings over the past five years. Now this is the lowest multiple since the start of the pandemic, but it's that's coming off a record high in the fourth quarter. And mainly this move is because the dollar has weakened. But the difference in valuations is still well above historical averages, which is rough, roughly parity over the long term, going back to 1975. So I actually think this is a good time to be upping your allocation to form because where the dollar is likely headed lower because I don't think the Fed can raise rates uh, very much farther uh, from here. So uh, this data point says, yes, foreign stocks are outperforming, but likely they will continue to. This is Invest Talk. We're heading into our final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do that right now at 888 chart Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hello, Steve or Justin, calling in for the program to ask about a stock called Malibu Boats, ticker symbol MBUU. Uh, they seem to have pretty strong financials and profitability and operating metrics and consistent performance at a share price. Chart looks good to me, but would appreciate your due diligence as well. Please let me know what you think on the program. Bye. All right, this is Malibu Boats, and they manufacture performance sport boats used for water sports as well as general recreational boating. And obviously, they were a big beneficiary of the pandemic. People wanted to be outside, out in nature. People were moving out into the countryside from major cities because they were working remote. They that allowed them to have more time, right? So Malibu Boats is did well during the pandemic, from three dollars and twenty nine cents in earnings to six dollars and one cent in twenty twenty one, seven dollars and ninety one cents in twenty twenty two. But earnings look to be slowing down, and that's my worry here is just how cyclical the the company is, and that's why I'd probably pass on it. Um, you know, it's uh, it's. I just don't love the chart. The technicals continue to make a series of lower highs and lower lows, and it's a sick little business. So uh, I think you're looking at the past and not the uh, future, and I don't think the future is uh, that great. Uh, and if it r goes back to making 3 $4 per share, it's suddenly going to look expensive again. So I'm passing on Malibu boats. All right. Now, lastly, I'm going to touch on the food industry and – during the pandemic, serving food with a bit of technology was really in vogue. And 
with everything returning to normal, the question is, how much is food delivery really going to be a thing? No, I don't think it's going anywhere, just like I don't think Uber is going anywhere, but how profitable is it really? Well, if you look at some of the recent earnings announcements from companies like HelloFresh, they fell 9% on Tuesday after reporting pretty much flat sales and profit guidance below expectations. That's why the shares fell. And there's 78% of meal kit sales last year. which tend to be less expensive than you now, but more expensive than just going to the grocery store. And they're spending 17% of their revenue on new customers, and the new customers are flat. The only reason they're going to have growth is because they raise prices a little bit. And then there's companies like JustEatTakeaway.com, which, is, uh, which bought Grubhub last year, 2021. And they're having trouble co- controlling costs. And while food is it's a very big market, but it's not well suited for e-commerce. When it's unprepared, it's bulky, it's heavy, you need refrigeration. It's not that much better than going to the grocery store. And frankly, like me, I, I shop at Whole Foods. But I, have, I, I shop through my app. I need to go pick it up from in the area or I have it delivered. A lot cheaper. And people love to have food delivered to their door. But for the most part, that was subsidized by investors who were putting money into these companies that were just burning cash. And so it's pretty clear that the economics of that business, while it sounds sexy, Once again, it's selling dollars for 90 cents. That's pretty much what the business has been for the entirety of its growth. And so the question will be is how do they, how do these companies right size? Do they just operate in certain markets where it's efficient enough for delivery, like say New York City? Do they exit some markets altogether? Will they get enough drivers to make these trips? Will they be able to pay them enough? So the the industry business model is is really still up in the air, in my mind. And so that's why it's just not an investable space. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes. Remember to follow InvestTalk on social media, and you might win a free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. We're giving away 10 per week over the next three weeks. All you have to do is like and tag three friends in our 50 for 50 million posts. Independent thinking showed success. This is InvestTalk. Good night. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. 
InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.